0: This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune where we bring you in house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an Opportune podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Folks, it's great to be back here behind the mic hosting another episode of Opportune's podcast as we continue to explore major trends, technology, and offering strategic advice for the broader energy industry as we explore today's topic and welcome our two guests i want to make sure that you're getting all of our previous podcasts as well as making sure you don't miss out on future thought leadership so make sure that you're heading to our website opportune.com again opportune.com and make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast on apple podcasts and spotify just hit that subscribe button and you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations plus notifications when we drop new ones so for today's episode of the show We're going to be getting a high-level assessment as well as granular strategy building around one of the most critical and engaging aspects of the modern energy business, and that would be the integration of energy commodity trading and risk management technology, or as we're going to be referring to it shorthand, ETRM tech. And ETRM tech has been simplifying deal capturing, risk reporting, valuation, price management, and plenty of other operational tasks in the industry for you know, let's say 25 years now, at least. But even then, with the constant push and validation for software investments to increase revenue in the energy industry, things are still, I guess, inconsistent, maybe to put it lightly, in terms of quality deployments. ETRM system integration is often rushed. It can be thought of rather rashly. Uh, It turns out to be too expensive or just misguided in its scope. So what we're wanting to do with our conversation today is hopefully clear up why we see ETRM tech still give energy companies some grief, and then offer some tips on how to better adopt and make use of an ETRM investment for today's context, right? Where the energy industry is at today and aligning that investment with today's needs. So I'd like to introduce our two guests to help us maneuver today's topic. First up, we're joined by Teresa Crow. She's a director of process and technology at OPPORTUNE. Teresa, great to have you on. How are you? Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, pleasure getting to source you here today for your insights and your background. And we're also joined by one of your colleagues, another director of process and technology at Opportune, Mr. Brad York. Brad, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing very well. Thanks for asking. Thank you again for joining and looking forward to picking you and Teresa's brain here. Uh, Let's start by giving some context on your backgrounds. So could you both just give an elevator pitch for our audience on your summarized career journey, and more importantly, just kind of connect the dots between your experience and how that informs your perspective for the conversation
1: today. Teresa, and I've spent the majority of my career working around ETRM systems. Back when Solark first started and the software was first being developed, I was a part of that company as it was a startup back in the day. And then as I've moved on and worked for other companies, I've continued to consult around that area of the business. So I've been with OPPORTUNE now for around 13 years, and the majority of that time, even though I do branch out into other consulting, most of it is around the implementation of risk reporting in ETRM systems, typically in Right Angle. This is Brad.
2: I started off in the natural gas liquids industry. I have 19 years of industry experience in accounting and scheduling. After that, I jumped into the software side, working at at Solark, which then became OpenLink, which then became ION, also working in, in the right-angle solution. The scheduling is my, my main area that I, that I focus in, but the scheduling does lead into the risk management and everything else in the system.
0: Perfect. Thank you for that context, y'all. So with that in mind now, let's tap into those insights and talk ETRM tech. So... Where would you say, I guess, just to paint a a nice wide picture and set the scene before we get into some granular tips, where does the energy industry stand today in terms of ETRM technology? Maybe more specifically, uh, how widely adopted is it? How effective are deployments today and how many of these deployments are being fully maximized, right? Being well utilized to their fullest extent.
1: Almost every company now has major company that has physical presence in the trading and risk management world, has moved away from their own custom implementations and has started adopting one of the, there are fewer players out there and there's usually a recommended solution for companies that share a similar business model. So there's less need for extensive software selection processes. Most of the companies have gone over to not, like I said, producing their own software and using one of these packaged softwares out there. The technology behind those softwares, even though the platforms that they're written on and the languages that they're using has changed and the enhancements around the scope of functionality that they provide has grown, they're still on-premise, customized implementations managed by that company and still still delivered typically through a Citrix front end. So in some ways it's changed drastically and people have adopted, but are they using the software to its full functionality? No, I would say no. It seems that a lot of the companies that Brad and I are going into right now, we go in maybe to help them with an upgrade, typically not a brand new installation a lot of times now, but an upgrade to their software. And when we come in, we notice a lot of things that are less than optimal where not only can we upgrade their software and help them through the implementation, we can also help them take advantage of some of the not only newer functionalities in an upgrade, but also the inefficiencies that they just haven't taken the time to realize that they're doing something the hard way or their business models have changed. And instead of really re- reworking the way they use the software, they have just plugged in inefficient processes instead of remodeling.
2: Yeah, I agree with, with, with everything Teresa said. What I see is a lot of companies don't continue the implementations. Implementations, of course, are very hard in an organization. It takes a lot of people's energy, a lot of people's time. And once they go live, they, they, they're just worn out, honestly, sometimes. And They need to keep going. Things change in the system and things change in the business. And you need to keep enhancing the system continuously. And you have to keep up with the upgrades. The upgrades are, are available, but a lot of companies just don't do it. They, they don't put that as a priority. And and the longer they put those upgrades off, the more expensive it becomes, the more difficult it becomes to do the upgrade. So you really want to try to keep up with the upgrades as best as you can. In my opinion, it's a pay now or pay more later. So if you continually keep up with the system and maintain it and enhance it as you go, you're going to keep it going and keep it going well. But if you just just let it be and and don't don't put your resources into it, you're going to have to come along later and, and fix it.
0: Now, maybe to get a little more specific on some of the challenges, where do we most often see operational hiccups for energy commodity traders today? Uh, you know, even with fully deployed ETRM systems. So, this isn't just for folks that are you know just getting used to an upgraded system or uh, you know new features, but folks that have had and utilized an ETRM platform for a while now. Where are those hiccups still and why?
1: Oh, Brad, I really feel like they're in in the scheduling and and keeping track of your inventory. To me, that's the most difficult part and the part that falls behind. And without keeping track of that properly and handling all of your inventory and scheduling correctly in the system, you won't have the end results that you need. If in the end you need to bill or pay customers, you have to keep track accurately of every transaction and all of your inventories. And better yet, if you want to bill your customers, you definitely need to track all of those transactions correctly. And it seems like every company we go into, they need help in that department.
2: Even, even 30 years ago, keeping up with inventories was a challenge for companies with, without, without good technology. And with technology, you would think it would take care of it, but it doesn't always. You really have to keep up with things and make sure they're working. Do your checks and balances all the time, continuously. Because once you kind of lose lose control of those things, it takes an effort to get, get it back in line. So it's very important that you keep up with your inventory, you keep up with your volumes, you keep up with your estimates, because that's that's where you make decisions. So those decisions are based on the data that schedulers do.
1: So if you're trying to you're trying to hedge your risk position, you're never going to know your position if transactionally you're not keeping track of that data and handling it correctly in the system. Sometimes it's a configuration problem, sometimes it's a manpower problem, sometimes it's an accuracy of data problem. But in the end, you cannot make valid decisions if you don't get that part of the ETRM system correct. Is there
0: something about the sort of data intake analysis or you know the, the execution of putting that data to work in the context of commodity trading data that just makes it particularly difficult and and adds another layer of reasons why that aspect is what creates so many issues for energy commodity professionals out there? Or is it more a, a technological issue, right? More than a, a process or a data related one?
2: From the perspective of, and I'll talk more from the scheduling side, we, we bring in a lot of data around movements of the product. So metered tickets, truck tickets, all the, all the volumes that are, you know, if you look at the petroleum industry, it's it's quite complicated. You, you've got volumes coming in, you're storing volumes, then you're blending them, and you're then you're turning around and selling them by truck or by barge or by rail car. And that's a lot of data. Fortunately, it is mostly electronic, but it also has a delay. So what happened today may not actually get in the system and get, get recorded until two days from now. Or in in some cases longer than that. There's some some data doesn't come until month end. So throughout the month, on, on that month end data, you have to keep estimates in the system. And that's that's the harder part. We, the actual movements were pretty good at and and, and come along pretty well but the people have to run, keep estimates, and that's that's a bigger challenge, I think.
1: And even though it is electronic data, there's humans involved multiple times in this process. So I'm at companies where they are still getting some of that transactional data by email and having to hand put it into the system. You're going to have errors. You're going to have delays. You're going to have missed information when you do it in that manner, and then there's also humans involved at, let's say, a truck rack. I don't know how many times trucks pull up and they just don't put in the right information for what they're pulling, for who they're pulling from, for or there is what you intended to do and what actually happened. Truck racks go down. You can't unload it where you intended to unload. So there's that human component of it where data, data integrity can be lost because of those last minute changes. And People. Now,
0: since uh, ETRM technology has been a mainstay for, I mean, you know, I don't know, at least a quarter of a century at this point, right? A lot of the challenges come not always from, uh, you know, the majority of companies taking on an ETRM for the first time, but rather upgrading or enhancing an outdated system. And so as these new layers of functionality, data intake and analysis, and new needs from the industry all kind of compound, you get extra challenges. So uh, you know, as our first set of strategy here for our audience, what would you say really needs to be done for companies to more properly upgrade or enhance these outdated systems to make sure that the upgrade doesn't in itself, hinder operational efficiencies because it is mismanaged, right? Or because it adds new layers of functionality that end up hurting more than helping or just aren't properly trained on, right? What what strategies would you offer here and why?
1: Usually when you implement an ETR in the system for the first time, usually, or I would recommend that you have a very good management team for the upgrader installation. And a part of that management team should be What are our cut over the sign-off? What do do we have to do to sign off that we actually can cut over, that we know the implementation is correct, or I'd like to say correct enough, that we're not going to have operational difficulties? As a part of those implementations, you should really develop a set of test cases, and those test cases should be well-documented, and then every time you upgrade... You should execute the relevant test cases again as a part of our upgrade, concentrating on high risk areas when you're testing, but also concentrating on anything where, you know, there has been a change in the software and there should be a well managed set of how we're going to implement this, what the software changes are going to be, how I'm going to test it, how I'm going to test all my interfaces, how I'm going to cut over and This shouldn't be done, like as Brad alluded to earlier, occasionally, this should be a part of the normal process of owning an ETRM system, keeping up with the latest releases, having a plan for every time that you enhance the the interfaces or customizations internally, or you actually adopt one of the new releases.
2: When I look at this from, from a high level perspective, the most important thing to, to a successful imp- implementation or an upgrade is, is buy-in. Management has to buy into this. They have, to, and the employees have to buy into it. And the best implementations I've been involved with are when the higher ups in the in the company stand up and say, "We will make this work." And they have to be flexible, and they have to help make decisions. But when they really try to make it work, is when it does the best. People don't like change. That's just that's just typical. We we like. We like our process that we're doing today. I come into work and I know what I'm going to do today and I know how it works. And they're scared when, when you implement a system. They don't know what their day is going to look like. I don't know how many times I've asked been asked, well, tell me what my day is going to look like. Well, that's that's a really hard thing to compare what it looked like before to what it's going to look like after. So really when management gets up there and says, we're going to make these changes, we're going to, to do this, that really makes the big difference. And you need the good people in the project. Um, when You, you go need on... good,
1: dedicated people, correct? Yes, you dedicated. Dedicated people. You need people that they will assign part of their day, even though you feel like they're overworked, to this project, business people. Because we will, as an implementation team, if we come in to help, never know every nuance of the business that we are. There are, there are tiny little pieces that are specific to the industry or the company that we're working with. And if you get the business users who are performing those duties right now, dedicated and involved in the implementation, you have a much better chance of having success when it comes out the other end.
0: So you kind of already uh, teed us up for this next point here, but let's offer a more expanded uh, list of strategies for our listening audience. So an ETRM system implementation has several phases. There's the before integration thought process and planning. There is the active, you know, during of the integration, uh, which you know includes training. It includes uh, you know making sure to uh, not disrupt the flow of operations as new uh, features and new services are brought into the organization. And then obviously there's the after, right? After things are trained up on, after everyone's comfortable using the platform, there's still upkeep and maintenance of the data that needs to be considered. But also, like you mentioned, Teresa, a strategy for upgrading and making that very clear and part of the integration process from the very beginning. So let's kind of walk through those different steps and I'll have each of you give, how about let's let's just say one key strategy that you think is important to center as companies bring an ETRM system on board. We'll start with before, right? So before the system is ever integrated, what would each of you say is your key tip uh, for companies to keep in mind or to strategize around in that you know, pre-integration process?
2: Well, the pre-integration process would really about around the selection of the of the application, right? So so I, I think for that, it's making a good decision as, as what fits your business the best. And of course you do it a selection process, that's, that's a big piece of it, but look around at your peers that do the same thing you do. Look at the system they're using and look at how well it's working for them. You could you could find five people and two would hate it and three would love it maybe, but if those three love it, what do they do different than those two that hate it? So. Those are the kinds of things I would look
1: at. We did speak to before you begin putting together a team, having a plan, understanding the time frame, being realistic about the time frame that it's going to take, being realistic also about the outcomes that you expect. You're going to have better outcomes if before you ever start, you define what success looks like. Because success shouldn't be just that we have the ETRM system installed and it's running. There's a reason that you're doing it. So define define what you want the outcomes to be and make sure that the entire team revisits that throughout the process.
0: Now, the next chunk, the during the integration process, is there anything that you would recommend companies center while they are first learning and getting used to either a new ETRM system or an upgraded legacy
1: one? I spoke to the need to involve the business users themselves. I've been at a couple of different types of implementations or integrations where a company or client wants to hire a team who understands the software, which we can do that. They come in and in the end, turn a switch, train their users and let them start using it. The more successful implementations, my recommendation again is that you use your business users to define the business cases, to test the software, to write the training materials. To, of course, with the help of your implementation team, leading you or providing you a first cut. But all of those, all of those things are best done by your business. That way, you will have a better chance of not having the consultant team always necessary there on premise and helping you for the rest of the time that you use this ETRM system. The company has to own it and they have to own it by involving their people.
2: Ownership being the key right there. And that's I said that, I think, before. Ownership is, is probably one of the biggest, biggest pieces. But training, Teresa talked about training and I second that one completely because you've really got to get people in there to train. And it's hard. Systems are complicated. They're not easy. And it's a lot to learn. Unfortunately, some people only learn their small little piece and they don't get the full understanding of the system front to back. So getting people in there that understand the system from the very front to the very back really helps a company to be successful. If if you only have a trader that knows how to put in a deal, a schedule that only knows how to schedule an account, that only knows how to process an invoice, you, you don't get things put together as well. You need some people that really know the whole thing.
1: You also will run into either people or particular processes that are roadblocks. And so during management of those particular roadblocks, whether they're people or processes and taking it up the chain, understanding what you're going to do about it, understanding, understanding how to eliminate that roadblock or to make it not as important, um, that's key during the implementation because you don't want to come down to the end and have everything implemented except for one person who isn't okay or one one set of functionality that isn't quite there and it stops the entire process of the system.
2: I would say training is a very important point and I would say continue tra- continual training. Come back in three months after they go live to, to retrain people because you just can't get everything until you work in the system. You wouldn't believe how many times I've shown somebody something. And I said, oh, wow, that's awesome. But it was there the whole time, and they've probably been shown that before, but there was too much, to, too much to take in. So you really need to come back and train people again and again and again, I think.
0: And now let's look at the post-integration period. So once integrated, what would you say are some of the key considerations companies need to center when supporting their ETRM system and uh, continuing to make the most use out of it in a proactive and reactive way as the needs of the market shift. Any uh, specific advice you would offer there?
1: It isn't a turn it on and it's done. It will never be that way. You have to have a team that continues to be dedicated. And that team has to be the people who monitor the health of the system, keep it running day to day. It's a 24 hour system. These risk and trading systems are you have got to people, have people who are monitoring the price feeds and the risk calculations and the interfaces on a 24 hour basis. And you have to understand that it will evolve continually. There are no static businesses that I've been in so far, even the ones that you would think are the most static in their processes. They are continually acquiring, divesting, changing the way they're doing something and then the markets around them change and therefore they have to react. Uh, so keeping a team in place, keeping it as a evolving managed system where you know you need to upgrade, you know you need to continually add new interfaces, new custom development. You need to be able to respond to users when they're trying to do something new. The projects never stop.
2: Totally agree with, with that, that continuing to do enhancements, continuing to keep the business involved. If if IT owns the system and and the business is not as involved, it's not as successful. The business needs to be involved with it as much as they can. Of course, IT's got to run the basics and they've got got to keep it running. But they should keep the business people involved, especially when it comes to looking at enhancements and connecting with the vendor. I know ION has user groups and a lot of times those user groups are are just attended by the IT, not, not the schedulers and the accountants and the traders. They really get better information if schedulers accountants and traders communicate with the software company because they're the ones that know the business and know what they what they want and it sometimes is, is to me stands in between the business and the, the vendor another piece is keeping your reference data correct because so we implement a system we, we set up you know business associates we set up products and locations and all these things well as business evolves, there's going to be new business associates and new products and new locations. There needs to be really good defined processes around putting those in the system. Because if they put in things wrong or put in things, it ends up crashing the system. So the processes around continual reference data is very important too.
0: So to start to wrap up the conversation, I want to chat IT a little bit more specifically. I know that ECRM platforms, you know, like you mentioned, Teresa, aren't a, you integrate it, you flip a switch and it's good to go. Not only is there sort of a a prolonged adoption period and also a a sort of prolonged need to be responsive with how you use ETRMs for the energy's, uh, excuse me, the energy industry's current needs and your company's, uh, you know, current needs as well, but also, It needs to integrate with and play a role in a larger technology ecosystem. So I'm curious how y'all see a company's larger tech ecosystem impact the investment decision behind an ETRM system. What does it need to be able to interact with? You know, what should you be looking for in quality or the sourcing of data so that it can be made sense of by other tech platforms, other softwares? Give us your uh, your overview there.
1: Well, we keep talking about the need to continually upgrade. One of the reasons that you want to do that is performance. We'll start with that. As technologies change, if you have an Ethereum that has gone stale, then it typically is using older database servers, older hardware requirements, older operating systems, older older versions of Word and Excel. So just like your iPhone, even though the hardware itself hasn't changed over time, it starts to degrade. It degrades because it doesn't handle the software as well now as it did when it first came out. Performance degrades. And that's one of the leading complaints that you get in an ETRM system is performance. Ability to handle the massive amounts of data or even the user interactions that we talked about earlier. So if you upgrade, you get to move to later database versions that have their own enhancements. Not only are you getting upgraded ETRM systems, you're getting upgraded software behind the scenes. You get to take advantage of this whole suite of pieces of software and everything that's new about them that might make them work better together. You get to upgrade to newer versions of any of the key things that you interface with out there. So you need to interface to truck rack software. You need to interface to rail tickets and pipeline tickets and bill of ladings and pricing interfaces. Every single one of those platforms is moving along using newer technology. And if you leave your ETRM system behind, you are going to have performance issues. And those performance issues aren't just the user experience, which can be frustrating and make people maybe less willing to keep up with the quality that we talked about earlier. It also begins to affect your processing behind the scenes. So the system can get bogged down to the point that you actually are losing transactions or it's not able to handle or to process your overnight activity. So every single one of those integrations needs to move along together in their technology. So you are continually upgrading everything and taking advantage of the the newer technologies that are coming out constantly.
2: I think an example of that is integrating to T4, which is the pipeline system for refined products. A lot of integrations are just getting data, movement data particularly from, from entities. But a lot of the T4 integrations lately have gone both ways, where you're sending data into T4 from right angle and getting it back as well. Those are much more complicated interfaces. And of course, as technology changes, that gets more and more possible to do those kinds of integrations back and forth. So I think we'll see see more of that kind of stuff where systems are talking to each other and get more more data between the two and less less human interaction.
0: I want to get y'all's thoughts on some strategies for upgrading systems, but real quick for a, a refresher for our audience too, what is the standard upgrade today and what the next era of upgrades is looking to be right? What are some of those fresh features, functionality Quality of data, improvements around just general operations that you're seeing get upgraded in ETRM systems today. Just give us that quick update.
2: I think across the board, what we what we see, particularly the biggest thing is performance. We're, we're seeing much much improved performance in in the upgrades that we see see lately.
1: So. You do hear a lot of chatter about newer ETRM systems or ETRM systems moving to cloud technologies or other buzzwords that are out there. And, of course, most of the companies that we're in at the IT management levels, they all want to take advantage of these buzzwords that are out there. There aren't a lot of ETRM systems that are truly cloud-based right now. Most of them, as you look at them, are just hosting your software for you on an off-site, and they're calling that cloud-based, but you're still required to do all of the individual company management of an installation. So in my opinion, it's not truly cloud-based. I'm hoping, I don't think it'll happen this year, but I'm hoping to see people move towards a software as a service solution so that you can subscribe. And I think when you get to that point, you'll be able to take the data that we keep talking about is so necessary to keeping these, these systems healthy. And pull it into the software on a, not on a company by company basis, but as a more global interface. Because most of these companies need the same kind of software. I hope to see some definition around what those interfaces look like. Some standardization is the word I'm really looking for about that. And and prices and pipeline data and all of these pieces should become a standard available interface from a a software-as-a-service type of solution. It's not there yet, but that's what I hope to see.
0: So with that in mind, then, what kinds of strategies or uh, considerations do you think IT teams should focus on and prioritize before they commit to upgrading ETRM systems in 2022, right? With those new features, with those desired features on the horizon, does that influence any certain aspects of the IT ecosystem that you find particularly important and how is opportune uh, helping give some education and guide on this front?
2: I think, as I said before, for an IT office or group, I think I think they really should just make sure they keep up with those upgrades, keep up with, with the vendor issued upgrades and, and keep aware of what's going on with the vendor because they need to understand what's in the upgrades, but also what kind of, bugs they're fixing, and all these things, from an IT perspective, especially. They also need to interact with, with the software companies to help help drive the future. Because the software company, they, they do have in-house expertise, but they really need the business to help them drive the future. So getting involved and, and keeping, keeping a relationship with the vendor, I think, is where they really need to put their focus.
1: Even though these software upgrades are sometimes delivered at a set of, as a set of scripts that you need to install. You really need to, as an IT team, take a step back first and look at the hardware and delivery landscape that you have behind these solutions. So many times Opportunity comes in and what we help is starting with what that technical solution looks like. What are the servers? What are the operating systems? What is the software? What background and delivery system is going to give you the best performance and what's really actually necessary? So before ever running that first piece of script that's given to you by the company, you need to put everything in place that's going to handle the software correctly.
0: All right, y'all, we're just about done. I've got a few more future-focused points here I want to get your perspective on. But heading into 2022, uh, I'm curious what you see as the ideal ETRM system of the future, or maybe more specifically what those needs are going to be as companies continue to transform business operations, enhance their efficiencies, try to differentiate from the competition, right? And maybe for a little more context, I think a big part of that is ETRM systems are just one piece of the technology ecosystem. And that ecosystem is seeing a lot of its own upgrades and development and innovation around IoT sensors and integrations, around cloud capabilities, around automation. I'm curious, do you think that the ideal ETRM system of the future is going to require support from that ecosystem or integration with those other cutting-edge technologies? How do you see it interacting with some of those other metrics that I mentioned?
1: I hope so. I mentioned before that I have this idea of what I would hope a future Ethereum system would look like and what the technologies look like. The reason I want that is because over 25 years we've moved from I'm keeping track of these things in a spreadsheet and I am hand-billing people. And the first goals were just really to use a system to do the things that people were doing manually. And even back in that time frame, the goal was to be more efficient in it. But the reason you want efficiency is sometimes it's so you don't have as many people. But it's also so you can begin to concentrate your business on. Reimagining your business. What's the core reason that you make money as a business? It isn't because your Ethereum system is the best. It might be because your ETM system is the best and it gives you fantastic information that you can rely upon to make good business decisions. You can analyze some readily available data. In order to get there, though, we definitely have to make use of these evolving technologies because those technologies that you mentioned are all going to give us better data in a quicker manner that we can process quicker, that we can apply all of our systems to, to help us make better business decisions.
2: I think one example of that is is transmission of metered data, for example. At the well, there's meters and everything. And sometimes it's archaic how they get some of those numbers. As that technology becomes more affordable, then hopefully we get more and more data automatically and much quicker so that we can can get it in the system faster and have better data.
1: Our fridge tells us when we need to buy new groceries. There's no reason that those wells can't tell us exactly (laughs) what is going on. It's just a matter of implementing that same technology in every little data gathering piece of our world. And I think we're getting
0: there. And then last but not least, how do you see ETRM technologies themselves evolving throughout 2022 and beyond? Do you see any market motivators impacting specific changes to ETRMs, maybe regulatory changes, or just in general, the companies that develop these softwares setting new standards for themselves, right? What's most important to keep in mind moving forward throughout the rest of the year? It's a
2: bit of a hard one because... Trying to determine what what may or may not be put into the ETRM system is, is a hard job on on their part. They have to prioritize, and there's not unlimited resources as far as development resources go at some of these these vendors. So really, they, they have to make decisions about what to put in there, what to put in the system for this next year. And they need help determining that from the users. I can't think of anything specifically, but communicating with, with the vendors and letting them know what you want what what helps
1: i might be repeating myself a little bit in, in something i said before but i don't think i can drive home enough the the level of support and daily interaction and monitoring these systems require and the and the large number of people that are interacting with it day to day and large number of people who are supporting it from the hardware to the software to all the interfaces so I believe individual ETRM solutions will get ahead by providing a more, I want to say out of the box. They're not out of the box because you tailor them to every company's needs. But if you can get to where it really is, software as a solution and the standard interfaces and not so much be to every single company to support around the clock or to develop all these individual pieces that every other company is developing. And customizing them just a little bit to make them work correctly for them. I think that will be the solution that wins a lot down the road and what everybody is desiring.
0: And I think on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap up then. It sounds like the energy industry is dealing with plenty of its own changes, uh, whether those are market motivators, regulatory changes, again, just general Standards being set internally and externally. And that's only one piece of the puzzle. Consider how ETRMs are going to need to support uh, those changes and how we get a chicken and the egg scenario, right? Other changes in the energy industry push new needs onto these platforms to be able to intake new data, provide new insights for commodity traders. So, All that being said, I think this is a conversation we're going to continue to check up on on the podcast. But for now, we'll go ahead and end the episode and just tap into your insights again here in the future. So for now, thanks again to the two of you for your perspective. It's really been a pleasure getting to break down the state of ETRM technology today. Some of the main issues that the adoption and upgrading of these systems are facing in general and offering some strategies and some advice for making the most of any energy company's ETRM investment. Again, we've been chatting with Brad York and Teresa Crow, both our directors of process and technology at Opportune. Brad and Teresa, if folks want to find out more about your work in the space, uh they want to get in touch, or maybe they want to just tap into some other thought leadership from your team, how can they do so?
1: Well you mentioned opportune.com. It's an excellent platform for finding information about each of the areas where we concentrate and help other companies and also reach out to us individually through that platform.
2: You can find us on LinkedIn as well, I'm sure.
0: Fantastic. Brad, Teresa, I appreciate y'all's insights today. It's been a pleasure and looking forward to bringing you back on soon. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of E2B Energy to Business. If you like what you heard and saw today and you want some previous conversations or you want to make sure you don't miss out on future updates to the ETRM technology side of the industry or any of the other topics that we cover in depth here on the podcast, make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Again, hit that subscribe button. You'll have a full catalog of previous conversations, plus notifications when we drop new ones. And head to our website, opportune.com com for more. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of E2B.